You're listening to Blackpool Church Podcast. Join us for our Sunday gatherings to make friends, explore faith and encounter God. Visit our website, blackpool.church. This is the Talk Archive. extend my welcome if it's the first time that I've kind of met uh, any of you. Uh, My name's Jono, I'm part of the team here at Blackpool Church and it's my privilege to be bringing the talk to you today. As you may have gathered, it is Remembrance Day today. There's been a few clues already, isn't there? Um, And we are continuing, as Tom said, our series looking at evangelism. And so I've been tasked this morning with seeing how do we bring together the idea of remembrance and the idea of evangelism, or sharing our faith openly. How do those two things meet? So as we go about today, we're going to dig into scripture. I hope that's okay with everyone. Um, If you haven't got a Bible with you, there are a few in the cafe, so you can grab one or you can use one on your phone. We're going to find a few points in the Bible where uh, remembrance specifically is mentioned and see what it is the Bible might be saying to us there. And we're going to explore together um, really just the depth of this concept of remembrance and what it can mean and how it can really transform and change our lives. Are we all up for that? Brilliant. Let me open in prayer um, and then we'll get stuck into some scripture. Father, I thank you for the gift of your word. Lord, I thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to share in it together. And Lord, I pray, would my words be from you and would you speak into the hearts and minds of each of us here today? Amen. Amen. So I wonder when you think about the idea of maybe remembrance or remembering, I wonder what it is that strikes you. I wonder what comes to mind. Often for me, I often think about it a bit like looking at a photograph, yeah? Or it might be that if anyone's wearing a poppy, it's a bit like looking at a poppy, that we look at something and that causes us to remember an event in the past and maybe reminisce on that thing. Um, I've spent many times with my grandparents where they talk about the, the glory days, or of times gone by, or, you know, we gather around at Christmas and we look back at, oh, do you remember what Christmas was like 27 years ago and it snowed, yeah? That's often the kind of remembrance it is that we think of, isn't it, when we think about remembrance. But I want to challenge us this morning that remembrance can be more than simply just that. What about if remembrance spoke to us not just in the past, but also in the present, and also towards our future. It encompassed every part of who we are. So we're going to dive into some scripture and see what the Bible has to say as we begin about remembrance. In Genesis 8, you may be familiar with the story of Noah's Ark. It's quite a famous story, isn't it? Um, the, 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 the creation that God had made had become sort of distorted and tainted. And God decided to do this thing. It sometimes regards like the first baptism, like the baptism of the whole earth, not just of one of us in a pool, but the whole earth was flooded and cleansed. And God said to Noah to build this ark, that Noah was one of the righteous people. And he loaded animals and people and his family into this ark. And God flooded the earth And it's fascinating here um, how we pick up. So at the very end of Genesis 7, it says, the waters flooded the earth for 150 days, five months. 
Can you imagine what it would have been like on that boat for five months? Goodness me. But, chapter 8, but God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent the wind over the earth and the waters receded. But God remembered Noah. But he didn't just look at Noah in a photograph and go, oh, I remember that guy. He was a nice guy. It wasn't passive remembrance. When God remembers something, we can expect stuff to change and happen. God remembers Noah and what happens? The waters subside and Noah's able to get off the boat and begin to kind of restore and be part of the restoration uh, of the new creation. How cool is that? It's good, isn't it? When we flip forwards, um, you can be a bit more enthusiastic about scripture. It's good, isn't it? Yes. Um, if we flip forwards into the book of Exodus, I'm aware we're doing a bit of a whistle-stop tour, but this will all line up, I promise. Um, the book of Exodus, chapter 2. We jump in to the early part of Moses' life. You might be familiar with Moses' life. Uh, as a baby, he was put in the basket, sent down the river, uh, and the prince of the royal family, the princess, found him and drew him in and brought him up in the royal household of Egypt. But yet he saw the Israelite people being oppressed by the Egyptians, beaten, enslaved, and Moses killed one of the Egyptian soldiers and then ran for his life. Out in the wilderness, the, the Israelites are there with no hope at all. Verse 24, chapter 2, Exodus. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob. And so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. And do you know what happens next? God appears to Moses in the burning bush. And that's the beginning of Moses going to lead the people out of captivity. God remembered them. Again, he didn't look at a photograph of them and go, oh, those Israelites are nice people, aren't they? End of story. Or wasn't it the glory days when they were free? It's a shame they're in slavery. He remembered them and it was an active remembrance. Then we flip forward into the life of Jesus. A more, probably a more familiar passage um, to some of us in the book of Luke chapter 22, if you're following with me. Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 19. Jesus says on the night before his death, he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to him saying, this is my body given for you. Do this. Notice in the present tense, do this. Not you've done this or do it once and don't do it again. Do this in remembrance of me. Interesting that, isn't it? There's something about remembrance being the present tense for Jesus. Do this in remembrance of me. There's an expectation that it's like, do this and continue doing this. Something about remembrance that brings us into the present tense. And the fourth passage of scripture, just before we unpack some of why on earth I've been jumping around uh, in scripture so much, we're going to look at, at chapter 23 of Luke. So just flipping forward uh, a little bit in that story. 
And again, another encounter that you may or may not be familiar with, depending on how long you've been around church for, you may, you may have come across this. And we pick up the story. So Jesus has done his last supper and said, do this in remembrance of me. He's then arrested, he's put on trial, he's convicted, and he's hung on a cross. And as Jesus is dying on a cross, there are these two criminals either side of him. And one of them starts berating him. One starts going, you know, sort of hurling all sorts of insults at him. And this other guy says, what are you doing? This guy's done nothing. We're we're criminals. This guy's done nothing wrong. Leave him alone. And this thief on the cross asked Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So in the future, Jesus, will you commit to remember me? And Jesus assures him, you know what, today you will be with me in paradise. So we see here the three tenses of remembrance. See, we see that God remembered Noah. God remembered the Israelites and was true to his promise. Jesus talks about do this in remembrance of me in the present tense. And then we've got looking ahead, this thief on the cross saying, Jesus, one day, like out there in the, in the wilderness somewhere, will you remember me? And Jesus said, well, you don't need to look out in the wilderness into the future. Actually, today, you'll be with me in paradise. You see, what's fascinating about this is how we then start to define the word remember. I know I've said this before, and I might sound like a broken record to a few of you, so apologies if you've heard this before. Um, but the first time I heard it, it blew my mind, and I thought it was, um, it was only fair to share it. Often we think of remembrance as being what we said at the beginning, looking at the photo, remembering, harking back, drawing to mind something of the past. But there's a second definition for the word remember, which for me changes everything. Okay. It's like the opposite of dismember. I don't know if you've ever made a really good chicken soup and you, you've, you've done your roast chicken um, or whatever you do uh, and you get the bones and the carcass of that chicken and you pop it in the, the, the water and boil it up and it makes a stock and then all the bones start to fall apart and you get this lovely stock. And actually we talk about that as like dismembering, don't we, as we're kind of dismantling this thing, getting all the meat off the bones. Actually remembering is actually the opposite of that. So you can define the word remember as will you take these broken pieces that look messy and look fragmented and start to bring them back together. So then listen to what Jesus says at the Last Supper. Do this in remembrance of me. As we break bread and share wine, do this in remembrance But there's something about the act of bread being broken and Jesus being broken that somehow draws us together. The thief on the cross who says, Jesus, remember me. I don't know, I wasn't there. Was he thinking about, will you like remember me like you might a photograph, like don't forget me? Or was there something in what he was saying, saying, Jesus, will you take these broken pieces of me and knit them back together? Will you remember me? when you come into your kingdom. Like one day will you do that because I'm such a mess now that it's going to take years for that to happen. And Jesus says, do you know what? Today you can be with me in paradise. Today you can know that assurance that the broken pieces and the broken parts of you can be pulled back together as you remember me and you are remembered by me. 
So I want to just take each of these tenses very briefly and look at how do we start to understand fully what that remembrance, that idea of remembrance might mean for us and how does that tie into, as we said at the beginning, this idea of evangelism, of sharing our faith. Firstly, I want to ask you the question, do you know that God loves you? Do you know that God knows you? Like he really knows you. Scripture says he knows every hair, every thought, every word. He knows how many hairs you've got on your head. He knows the color of your eyes. He knows what you were doing last week. He doesn't need to look at a photograph to remember you. He knows you more than the people who are nearest and dearest knows you. He knows you more than you know yourself. And yet he still loves you and he still chooses you. He sees everything in your past and he still chooses you. Secondly, he doesn't just remember you as a past event. He chooses you now. He chooses you now. And you know what? He doesn't just choose you because he's self-indulgent. He chooses you with a purpose, that we are blessed to be a blessing. He chooses you and he speaks those words of good news over you, not so that you just absorb it for yourself and feel nice about yourself, but so that we are sent to then proclaim that to a world that is broken. That as we understand that in remembrance, God takes all the broken pieces and broken parts of us and knits them back together. That is the story that we have to tell the world, isn't it? That's the story that we have to, when we see darkness and brokenness in the world, as Andy was talking about last week, when we have that discontentment with, like, things just aren't the way they should be. The promise of Christ is that he fills us and shows us so that we can partner with him in being that agent of change. He remembers us. And as he does that, we begin to see restoration in our lives and we begin to glimpse the hope and love and life he promises. But he also remembers you forwards. The promise made to the thief on the cross is also the promise to us too. You see that we can stand in the assurance that yes, God sees our past. Yes, God's with us in our present. But he promises us that we'll be with him forever. That we can stand in the assurance that our future is secure. And what's really exciting is that that Jesus speaks of like a kingdom that's coming, but that's also arrived. You see, the kingdom of God, whether you believe it or not, whether it looks like it or not, in the mess and brokenness that we see in our world, the kingdom of God is here. And do you know why? Because what happens in a kingdom... It's the place where the king is, right? So when Jesus set foot on the earth, the kingdom of God by default is here because the king has been here. So we can live in the truth that we're not just proclaiming some kind of airy-fairy promise of heaven on a cloud in the future that's completely distant from our reality. But actually as the king set foot on the earth and lived and breathed and walked and died as we sung about earlier, that we can inhabit the kingdom reality now. We don't see it in all its fullness. Let's not pretend that we do. But what we do get is these glimpses. 
And you know what? We pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know what he's done to me a number of times when I've prayed that? He's given me a kick up the backside and said, do you know what? The kingdom of God is here because the king is here, but you need to live like it's here. And actually, as we see the kingdom reality of what's ahead and the promises that God makes ahead of us, what he challenges us to do as we draw close to him and engage in his kingdom is it's almost like we start to grab hold of that kingdom promise and pull it into our reality. So we see injustice in the world and we see that God's kingdom looks like justice. And we say, how do these two things add up when the world should be really just because the king's here, right? But it isn't. And God says to us, well, don't just sit on your backside and moan about it. I've given you what you need to go and grasp some of that kingdom reality and pull it in. So as we deliver chocolate bars at Christmas, yeah, it's a nice thing to do. Yeah, it's kind. It's the kind of church doing a good thing. But it's actually a glimpse of the kingdom. Because Jesus promises that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is joy and there is freedom. And actually, if we can start to bring some of God's joy to people by delivering them a Christmas, uh, by delivering them a Christmas gift, there's a glimpse of the kingdom that's coming that Jesus promises the thief on the cross. You'll be with me in paradise. But actually, that can be today. We can get a glimpse of that today. So we've seen remembrance in the past We've seen remembrance in the present. We've seen remembrance in the future. Remembrance is both looking at the photograph, the past event, but it's also understanding that as we draw close to Christ, he remembers us. He takes the broken pieces of our lives and starts to pull them back together. And you know, for me, the place that all three of those tenses meet is at the table. I don't know um, for you in your Christian kind of life, whatever that looks like, whether it's the first time in a church building today for you or whether you've been coming for many, many years. What you view communion as. For many years, for me, and I can only speak for me here, you might disagree with me and that's fine. But for me, for many years, it was just a remembrance meal. It was like a token of, okay, so this is something that Jesus did in the past. This is something that Jesus did the night before he died, and we kind of do it to kind of put ourselves in the photograph, if you like, to almost like reenact what was going on. And somehow then we start to feel emotionally maybe what it would have been like for the disciples. But actually, the more I've looked at this stuff, the more I've drawn in close to God, the more I've experienced that, do you know what? When I gather at the table, it's past, it's present, and it's future. It's past in that we understand the sacrifice that Christ made for us. It's present in the sense that we anticipate that Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, that he promises to come and meet us and that the broken pieces of us can be drawn together and remembered at the table. And we get a glimpse of the banquet of heaven that is to come. But it's not just out in the future. It's not, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom someday in a million years. It's saying, no, actually, we can experience a taste of that, a foretaste of that today and glimpse a kingdom reality. And that is what evangelism is about. Evangelism is about telling the story of Christ. It's about saying, maybe that's Christ in your life. So maybe that is that we go and we tell people, do you know what? 
I was a mess and this is what Jesus did for me and this is where I am now. Maybe that's a story that you have to tell. Maybe it's telling Jesus' story himself going, do you know what, there was this guy and it was God's, God's son lived on the earth. This guy did all these miracles and these wonderful things and he died so that you can be free and forgiven. But the story that we tell when it's evangelism is his story. And the story that we tell at the table is his story. And so in a moment, Andy's going to come and we are going to share communion together around the table. And I wonder, maybe for you, you've never taken communion with an expectation that Jesus might just want to meet you here at the table. So maybe as we, as we pray the prayers in a moment that Andy's going to lead us in, yes, let's remember the past. Yes, let's look ahead to the future. But let's have an expectation that Christ might just meet us here and feed us with his body and his blood that we might then be energized and charged to go in peace, to love and serve the Lord, as we say at the end of communion, right? There's an expectation that we're fed to go and draw others into this place to feast with us next time we eat together.